You're listening to the Midday Grind with Martin Kilcoin and Charlie Marlowe on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. Sunday should be a cheat day because it's the Super Bowl. Cheat day will be Sunday, right? Where you load up on wings and. So what's today? Appetizers. Then? Well, that's today is sort of the. A the, schnooks day is always an honorary cheat. Day. It's kind of like a practice run. Yes. Cheat week. You can't Tomorrow just, is also a cheat day. You can't get out there and just run the Indy 500. You got to test that car out a little bit. So <laughs> Chuck point. and I right now are kind of revving the engines up a little bit. We've got the wings rolling. We're at the schnooks on Lee May Ferry, corner of Lee May Ferry, Telegraph Road. It used to be a shop and save, giant silver replica arch, out front. Very Su- cool. Super Bowl. L-I-I-I, coming up on Sunday. We're calling it the Big Lie. Why do we still do that, by the way? It's stupid. Why do we do Roman numerals? That's the only thing we still use them for, is the Super Bowl. But the only reason to watch this year is, of course, watch commercials, right? So Mm -hmm. for many years, friend of the show, Bob Lackey, was the uh, creative director, chief creative officer, I should say, at Anheuser-Busch, and USA Today did the ad meter, and they would monitor all the ads and come out with a winner and for a number of years ab would take the top spot you may recall some of these famous commercials here's one And it was at this point, I believe August Bush IV ran into Bob Lackey's office and said, we are mandatory drug testing everyone in your unit today. (laughs) Bob, welcome. How are we doing? Martin, great to uh, talk to you again. And Charlie, good to talk to you. So the, the Frogs, was that revealed on Super Bowl night? No, actually, that wasn't. I mean, Frogs actually was debuted prior to that, but then it became kind of a, the next jump-off point for our next big idea, which was Louis the Lizard. And, and it really became big with the Frogs being assassinated by Louis the Lizard on Super Bowl, which, which almost <laughs> lost me my job. But other than that, you know, we always glorify the, what we, uh, the good things we remember about those ideas. But it was, it was a big idea that the, the consumer was already somewhat familiar with by the time it hit Super Bowl. I would think the frog idea, you had to test market that a little bit. Do you bring in, like, focus groups and say, all right, are we crazy? Are people going to say we're stupid? Yeah, I mean, we did. And, you know, we were we were avid focus group uh, testers. And, and a lot of our critics who couldn't understand how we kept getting so popular on, on the air with our television advertising would criticize us, thinking we were just shooting from the hip. But it was just a great idea with the contemporary adult beer drinker at the time, you know, somebody who's uh, – you know, 21 to 30 years old, and, and they got it, and it was very simple and fun, and you could take the images of the frogs and put them on point-of-sale displays at Schnooks and other places like that that sold their beer, and it, it really became a phenomenon and set the table for us as to how to do it in the future as well. Bob, any of these commercial campaigns where you're doing them, you're thinking, oh, this is not going to be popular, and then it really was, or conversely one, you said, this is going to be great, and it was a bit of a dud. Yeah, Charlie, I don't like to talk about my duds, you know, because <laughs> they're pretty embarrassing. But the one that uh, the one that really was one that was a risk was uh, What's Up. And when What's Up came out with uh, four guys just like going, blah, what's up? And, and that was a risky one because 
uh, you had four uh, really great, likable African-American lead actors in that, and that, you know, didn't necessarily wash very well in some parts of the country, which is shocking to us at the time. But we stuck with it. Uh, we shortened the original debut of, of the idea from 60 seconds to 30. And, again, it debuted prior to the Super Bowl that year. It debuted actually on the NBA on a Christmas Day as a 60-second commercial and absolutely, you know, got people talking. And by the time we got to the Super Bowl, what, three, four weeks later, we already were into 30-second commercials. With We were ready for the, for the uh, What's Up to take it on on a national audience like that, a much bigger audience, I should say. And it went on to win the world's best advertising at the Cannes Film Festival the following year. So that was one that, uh, if it wasn't for, you know, my team and, and August the fourth leading the way for us to insist to keep it on the air, despite a little bit of a backlash we were getting early on, uh, we would have never achieved that kind of uh, recognition. So yeah, that was a great idea that we knew was great. The little research we had said it was going to be great, but you really it was geared real young, and, uh, and we, I'm glad we stuck to it. So how did Waza happen? Because it seems almost like maybe there's a bunch of writers or a bunch of people in the room, smart guys, and nobody can think of an idea, and all of a sudden somebody says that, and all of a sudden, hey, I like that. Well, I mean, actually, it's an interesting story. The, the way the idea came to us is our creative team, we were actually coming out of uh, – you know, Louis the Lizard, not out of it, but Louis the Lizard was really a radio idea as well. On television, it was starting to wear thin. And we said, you know, what can we do next? I mean, what, what's the next big thing out there? And our creative team was just kind of, they, they were finding things in different areas, and they saw a short film, an independent film festival, uh, you know, authored by a gentleman named Charles Stone III. Uh, he was a filmmaker, showing him and his friends just saying, what's up? And they had the video, and they showed it to us. And he said, okay, what do you want to do with it? And they go, we want to rip it off. He said, we're not, and I said, we're not ripping this off. I mean, call the guy. If you want to insert Budweiser some way, you know, let's get his permission. And it's better than that, why don't we ask him to direct it? And the agency pushed back on us at the time because they were like, oh, no, then, then it isn't our idea. I go, well, it's not your idea anyway. What are you talking about? Go talk to the guy. So we talked to Charles. He was more than thrilled to get a chance to do a, you know, potential national television commercial series with us, and he did it, and he insisted that we use his guys from the original short film, and that went on to become, again, another, you know, unbelievable, renowned, award-winning campaign, you know, best advertising at Cannes Film Festival. So it was really somebody else's idea that we adapted, and thank goodness we didn't try to do something stupid like rip it off. I mean, it was his idea, and we made sure publicity-wise Charles was always in center stage, you know, taking credit for what was rightfully his. And for our younger audience that has no clue what we're talking about, it sounded a little something like this. Yo, where's Dookie? Yo, Dookie! Yo. What's that? <laughs> Hold on. Hello? <laughs> so what's up, B? Watching the game, having a bud. <laughs> and how many years later would friends of Bob Lackey's walk say, Hey, Bob. What's up? I mean... There was a shelf life there, and I got to tell you, we did it at the sports office over and over, and eventually we said, okay, that's it. It's just stop, okay? Well, yeah, it, I still get it, you know, from people who know, but it, it's even sadder to see it where it's, it starts to become part of the vernacular in some independent filmmaker who thinks he's discovered something. I mean, you see stuff pop up on television now and then, and, 
And uh, people no, don't know the origin, but it's out there as a line. And uh, so, that, I mean, it's awesome. I mean, it was a great part of our history because it really was an evolution from the frogs, you know, to Louis the Lizard, to what's up, to say, you know, the ideas can come from anywhere. And as long as it's built around the brand, then it's going to be fine. But remember, everybody, this thing has a shelf life. And you can't say that this is going to be the idea forever. You've got to evolve your, your creative, to, you know, your creative strategy. So... Um, a great moment in our history, and I'm, I'm so glad we went down that path, but it also taught us there are other places to get ideas. So, I mean, that's the positive of it. Bob Lackey, longtime Anheuser-Busch executive, chief creative officer, and the Super Bowl night was really the Super Bowl night for folks in the uh, advertising world. USA Today had their ad meter that came out on a Monday, and you'd find out who was voted or the, the viewers believe was the best commercial. How many years did you guys win that? Well, we won it 10 years in a row, and then we had a one year we didn't win it. And then uh, it was won a, a couple times with the top spot, uh, believe it or not, I can't believe it, I'm saving. In the InBev tenure, they, they were able to realize that Clydesdales were a gold mine, and then for some odd reason they walked away from it, but they're coming back this year. So we've, I mean, I won it with my team 10 years in a row, and then we took a break and won it again another year. And then the sale of the company occurred, and it's been kind of a fallow period since then. Bob, do you like the idea now that a lot of these spots, including the Budweiser blowing in the wind spot, which I like the I like the commercial, but do you like the idea they release these before the big night? You know, Martin, I do because I, I think it's it's absolutely inevitable with uh, the fragmentation of media and all of the different websites. I saw it when I was running the show there with the creative. It was like we knew ahead of time that releasing the spots would create more of a buzz. So we were one of the first major advertisers to do that. Pepsi was kind of noodling with it, too. But we did it and, and uh, would actually gather the trade journalists that followed our business together. I went to New York a few times and met with you know, people from USA Today, New York Times, et cetera, and Ad Week, and asked them to come on in and take a sneak peek, and this was unprecedented. So that extra coverage was really wonderful. Now, today, people have got to do it because there's just way too much competition out there in terms of websites and experts and prognosticators, and it, it really is really important, too, when you have more complicated, um, I think, product propositions. You'll see a few of those in this year's Super Bowl where you almost need to get a pre preview so that people can understand what the heck's going on. I mean, some of the communication is very confusing if you see the spot for the first time. And I think, lastly, people are just trying to amortize the cost of the spot. I mean, they're going, you know, any CEO of a small startup who's in the Super Bowl is going, are you kidding me? It costs me what to buy the spot and what to produce it and what to hire my favorite celebrity, you know. It's like... It's so much money that you really do want to start to spread the cost out. And, and in the, you know... Really, the discussion is any PR is good PR when it comes to the advertising, unless it absolutely stinks. Most people can spin it that, oh, well, I've got all these occasions and all these hits, and, and it's such baloney, I mean, because so much of this stuff is just fabricated in terms of how many hits and, you know, people, oh, they loved it. They loved it, and some obscure website ranks it as a top spot, and people are going to town with that. So uh, I think it's just the way it is, and you're crazy if you don't pre-release it. Bob, do you have any numbers on when you had some of these great ad campaigns, how sales were affected directly after that with some of these great campaigns? No, great question, Charlie. That was the question I was always posed with, especially from the curmudgeons at Anheuser-Busch, you know, the older people that didn't get what we were trying to do. Um, my best answer to it is you just look at the, you know, you look at the display incidents. I mean, what, were we creating year over year 
more requests for you know bigger end-dial displays for Budweiser, Bud Light, and whatever other brands we were trying to put on the main displays. And it went into a whole era where we suddenly started getting other marketers like Pepsi, Frito-Lay, to do co-displays with us. And so you started to increase your display incidents and that sell more product. And we created this, you know, the month of January really with the salty snacks category as another American holiday. It became behind 4th of July, and if I'm not mistaken, it's Memorial Day, as the third largest beer-selling uh, week period uh, in the beer business. Now, today, i, I got to be honest, I don't know where they're at because they're declining in volume and share, uh, AB InBev. They're not doing too well as far as performance. But that was my evidence. And also, when Budweiser started to decline, uh, Bud Light, because we were doing such a good job, I think, of positioning it and giving its fair share of weight on Super Bowl, for example, we were actually more than offsetting the loss on Budweiser volume. In fact, we were growing net, and that's a huge piece for a brand, you know, for a company that relies and should be relying still totally on Bud and Bud Light volume. And the minute that thing starts to leak, both of them, you're in big trouble. So um, we, those were our metrics, and that's how we knew we were doing well. I mean, we knew going in with creative to a Super Bowl, whether it was good or bad, because we researched the heck out of everything. And you could get, you know, on a metric scale, you know, scale 1 to 10, like, don't like, why, is it confusing, et cetera. And we just dissected it, and we started early enough to make sure we knew we had good stuff to put in all those slots we had bought. Bob, great to talk to you. Uh, I'd call you on Sunday, but I know you'll have your notepad out and telling your friends and family to leave you alone, watching those ads. You have your own little... Lack of meter that comes out on Mondays. Really, I, I do, Martin. It's it's a, it's, <laughs> it's sad. Actually. It really is. It's yeah, it's sad. It's <laughs> sick. But you know, it's, it's what I do. You know, you can't complain about it. But uh, no, it's going to be an interesting one. It's such a celebrity laden thing this year. It's almost comical, but uh, not quite comical enough, in my opinion. But yeah, I'll be looking, and I hope you guys are too. Bob, great to hear your voice. Glad to know what's up with you. All right, thanks, Martin. Great to talk to you, Charlie. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Bob. See you guys. Bye bye. It got. It, it got never gets old. No, it does. No, it doesn't. No, because no, it old. Just, no. Just, here's the thing. Hold on a second. Just here's the thing. Right no. Now. Here's no. the thing. Now, now it plays. Now it plays in a different way because they dropped a was up joke in a Marvel movie, Ant Man and the Wasp. They dropped a was up joke in there. It still has a. It still has a shelf life as kind of like a thing where it's laughing on itself. But it has to be. There has to be a window in between yes. references. So. That's my point. I don't know if Rammer agrees or disagrees as he's standing here. Probably disagrees. Lee like Mayfairy. What I'm saying is, but that was what 20 years ago. So now, if you hear it like once every two months, it's still kind of fun. It's golden age. It's now a throwback. Everything that was cool <laughs> becomes cool again a generation later. Right? Fair enough. How about the biggest takeaway from that interview? The great question that Chuck got. That wasn't just it was a, a definitive that wasn't great a time question. filler great question. That was an enthusiastic great yeah, question that Charlie got. That was a good question, I know. <laughs> but Budweiser, Bud Light, I mean, they owned it. They did. They owned Ten it years for, in a row. for decades. I think it's lost its luster. The whole idea, it's jumped the shark a little bit. Now these companies try so hard. Some of them are either so weird or so stupid that it's just. It, it is odd that because he referenced the celebrity cameos. From my recollection, as a kid, the commercials I liked the most during the Super Bowl weren't always celebrity based like you don't you couldn't name a single actor and what's up there's not one you recognize the 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 budweiser frogs are just frogs like it's almost like they just kind of punted on the creativity aspect of it all like i know one making waves is jeffrey lebowski is in a what a stella artois ad and the whole thing is just hey look it's the big lebowski he's back but that's it's not funny 
it's not unique or creative. It's just uh, a cultural thing. It's also just what's your visceral reaction to seeing it where, what's up, you just laugh. I remember, yes. and look, this maybe says a lot about me or, or doesn't. In the last 10 years, the commercial I think of the most with the Super Bowl, it's the dumbest thing ever. And it's the most America's funniest home video ever because for years we watch guys basically get hit in that spot with a ball or whatever. Their kid hits a baseball. It was that Doritos commercial where they have like a snow globe and the dude throws it off of the vending machine and it comes right back and it hits him down there. And it's so <laughs> stupid, but everybody just laughed. And I feel like it won it everything. It says a lot about you. No, everybody <laughs> said no. No, that year, I'll look it up. Everybody said that was like the best commercial. Just a dude getting hit down there. Seriously. Fair enough. Doritos. Hey, one of our great sponsors, Appliance Discounters. They're all over the place, Chuck. You can't throw a snow globe without hitting an Appliance Discounters. St. Charles, South County, Baldwin, City of St. Louis, Webster Groves, also Fairview Heights, Illinois. Theappliancediscounters.com. That is the website. But, again, six locations, easy to stop by. Samsung, GE, Frigidaire, LG. I can go on and on. Just think about it. I could. All the great appliances they have. Lowest prices. It's real simple. In addition to that, they now carry the Mila brand, which is mm. celebrating 120 years of building German-engineered quality appliances. The warehouse in downtown St. Louis means they can stock up, which means they can save you lots of money. Great folks. Stop by and see them. Theappliancediscounters.com or any of their six area locations. Time now for the end of the day. The end of the day. Okay, when's the end of the day? At the end of the day, it's going to be tough to tell someone they might not be in it at the end of the day even though there's moments where you're like oh I, you know, I don't want to do this chuck what do you have what i have here i wasn't just making this up a 2009 february 2nd 2009 article from the la times titled did doritos rookies win the super bowl commercial derby because they had a couple unemployed brothers from batesville indiana create that snow globe commercial and it won the Ad Meter Super Bowl contest. On that topic, I'm glad you brought this up, Chuck. Do you recall who won the Ad Meter last year? <sighs> Patriots, Can we narrow Eagles, it down? Super was Bowl. it a car company? Was no. it a food item? Go Daddy. It was not Go Daddy. Uh, I don't remember. It was a website. A website. A website. Well, well, a website to Amazon. Yes. yes. What, what was it? What did they do? Uh, the Alexa lost her voice, so they had celebrities be the new voice of Alexa. Over under this Sunday on commercials that Samuel Jackson is in. That's a good question. Okay. Three and a half. Uh, okay, I'm trying some uh, audio editing on the fly. See how this sounds. Three, two, and one. <laughs> was that Howard Dean at the end? <laughs> that was our Spanish Eagles broadcaster oh. at the end. If you did a... All right, now to add to it, Howard Dean and Bob Frederick celebrating the other night on yes. the mic. Frank had that audio yes. where he was wired up while his son Trent was in a fight in his NHL debut. Good for the Bruins for setting that up. But um, it it kind of ended with Bob and a Howard Dean moment. Yes. A moment of frustration yesterday. I had to run to Schnucks uh, to get some food for dinner. And I'm not a dad, not a parent. Maybe I can't judge. Oh, here but we it go. Was like, it was like three degrees. It was snowing. And I saw a dad walk into Schnucks with two young girls, and they're, like, not dressed at all for the weather. No gloves, yeah. no hat. They're hardly a heavy jacket at all. And that just that frustrates me when that happens. Dress your kids. Dangerous. Dress your kids for the weather. One kid was clearly unhappy about it. <laughs> she was not pleased. 
and walk I walk over like her. here's some 590 gear and the kids like oh, I'm not that cold <laughs> it is though it's a dangerous cold yes. and I joked yesterday about I another another news station maybe doing a story about dressing in layers and then yesterday I did go outside I had just a t-shirt and this coat on oh, that's not and smart. it hits you real quick yes it does you do need about five layers I had gloves on this morning when I was shoveling and my my fingers were getting numb uh finally this is just a major point of frustration for me every time it happens I know it's not the biggest uh, penalty imposed on Mizzou earlier today, but the NCAA needs to stop doing it. The reduction of scholarships. The 5% reduction of scholarships on Missouri. And I don't know what that total number is, but the issue is is that this does not punish Mizzou. You know who it punishes? High school students. There are now fewer athletic scholarships for high school students to get a free ride education either at Mizzou or this just affects the two- and three-star athletes who now will no longer get a scholarship because the NCAA decided arbitrarily to take them away. And it is a penalty that needs to stop. And the more you read about this, apparently there's an NCAA bylaw where if your probation basically encompasses the rest of your collegiate career, i.e. if you're a a senior to be at Mizzou, you can transfer. And that's a good rule. I, I agree with you. And look, you might say, okay, no no bowl game anyway, so it's kind of a, a wash of a season, but there's probably a lot of Mizzou seniors right now that if they have the opportunity, they could go somewhere else yes. to go to a bowl game yes. if they wanted to. But stop reducing scholarships. It's a stupid penalty that only affects high school students because now let's just say there's a pool of 100, 5% reduction, five students won't get a scholarship now. I hate it, and it needs to stop. That's the end of the day. Hey, how about this? Are you currently sideways with the IRS? Do you have years of unfiled tax returns keeping you up at night? Are you facing tax liens? bank levies, or wage garnishments? If so, you should contact our guy, former Department of Justice Tax Division Attorney, Milty, Mark Milton, at stltaxlawyer.com. We walked by him yesterday. He was having lunch right there at Kirkwood Brewhouse. Mark Milton, providing a local and holistic approach to tax resolution. Don't be sucked into the out-of-town tax resolution groups you hear on the TV and radio. Mark lives and works right here in the Kirkwood area, next to our studio, of course, in Kirkwood, because right now we're at the Schnooks on Lee May Ferry. But if you have IRS problems, visit stltaxlawyer.com today. Remember, the choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely on advertisements. All right, the sight of the day, we don't really have an award for sight of the day, was in the 11 o'clock hour when the gentleman shopping at the Schnooks here on Lee May Ferry Road left wearing a vintage Houston Oilers That's a good winter coat. That's good. If I had taken the picture of the back of his, uh, his coat walking out of the door here, Super 70 Sports probably would have put it on Twitter. It just had that really old classic. The Derrick? Yeah. The oil that Derrick? Oh, Derrick on that's the back. good. Was it a, a starter, like a 90s starter coat? It was one of those bigger ones, you know. Okay. That was the like coolest thing ever. Good for him. When I was in elementary Staying school. Loyal to the yeah. Houston Oilers brand. Keeping it for the, the, the heritage. Should have had him talk about Fisher. Yeah. <laughs> were you guys, I mean, Hoffman, were you old enough, though? Because when I was in grade school, the starter jacket was oh, sure. the thing. Sure. To I had have. a Pittsburgh Penguins starter jacket growing up. I either don't know had, why, but I had one. You either had the puffy one, yes, or you had more of kind of I'd call it the bullpen coat that the pitchers wear mm-hmm. when long. they go out to run the bases. I had the puffy coat. Bring those back. Hey, coming up at the top of the hour, it is the hard line. Also in Alton, the doors open at Fast Eddie's. They're open at one, but on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, get there early. 11 a.m. is when the doors swing open. It's seven days a week. The great food and fun at Fast Eddie's in Alton, Illinois. If you haven't been in a while, get back up there. Ask them about the full Straubinger, and they'll say, what? And you'll <laughs> say, it's named after Brad Straubinger. And then they'll say, who? 
Basically, you order the entire menu. You just spend the entire day hanging out at Fast Eddie's. Live music every single day. The outdoor patio. It's not really even outdoor, Chuck. It's like Miller Park. they got the mm-hmm. roof closed. They can host. American gosh, Family host Insurance like Park? Hundreds. Oh, i got to call it Miller Park. Hundreds no. of people. No, they can host like All healthy, despite people. what Martin says. Yep. No, if you don't feel well, get up there and eat. If you feel great, <laughs> get up there and drink. Either way, you're covered. Fast Eddie's in Alton, Illinois, where there's always a good time going on. Mizzou fans, TJ Moe in the house. Billiken fans, Bob Ramsey in the house. This is going to be and a super th- cheerful show. A lot of happiness. <laughs> what about, about Illinois fans? During the hard line today. Should we, should we, start, <laughs> should we start with the Mizzou sanctions, the Billiken three-game losing streak? <laughs> or Mizzou's loss to Auburn. Which, which topic leads and off the show? Talk about the wings. Gonna, the good we wings can talk about nice. the Blues. Strong finish uh, to the first half. Cam's going to be here at 6 o'clock, broadcasting live at the Schnooks on Lee May Ferry Road. Let you 